I know for me, like, like as a young young man, my early 20s in the ministry, um, I devoured books about church and about ministry and about how to what, you, what the best practices were and how to grow ministries and, and you know all that sort of thing. And I just loved those kind of church leadership type books. I had shelves full of them. I would just read them one after the other and and uh, and really love that stuff and and what i and those are all good and they have their place and there's value to them but what i want to emphasize to you phil is what paul emphasized to timothy which is um your best friend in the ministry is going to be the word of god it'll be the word of god and um i wish i had 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 a love for like i tell this to people sometimes too that when I was a kid, I played Little League baseball, but I didn't really love baseball. I just played it because all the other kids, all the other boys played it, you know. And then now I, like, love baseball, and I wish I had the love for baseball I have now when I was a kid, right, because I would be amazing, and um, <laughs> theoretically. And so I, and I, I say the same thing about my love of the Word. Like, I love the Word. I, I, I feel... Uh, I feel like one of my best friends in the whole world is the Word of God. And I wish I had the love for the Word, you know, that I have now back then and had really um, made it a point to be a serious, uh, full-time, lifelong student of the Word. When I met Jamie and started dating my wife, Jamie, um, I became a student of Jamie. I liked her a lot. I wanted to know everything about her, what she, what kind of things she enjoyed, what kind of things she hated, uh, you know, what her favorite foods were, what kind of gifts she really appreciated, what kind of gestures maybe she didn't appreciate, you know, whatever. I, I became a student of my wife, and uh, and it's because I cared about her and I loved her and I, I just I wanted to know everything I could possibly know about her. And to the same degree, Phil, I would say become a student of the word and you already are a student of the word but continue on in that path really um, grow your relationship not only with God but with his word um, it's powerful and when, when you know here's the thing when we set aside uh, somebody when we ordain someone for the ministry this this practice actually I think come, goes back to Acts chapter 6 where the the 12 you know the church had grown to 3,000 plus overnight. And um, a lot of people don't realize that the very first church was a megachurch, uh, and it was. And, and so they had thousands of people in their congregation now, and these 12 disciples were spending all of their time, you know, doing the business of the church. And, uh, and they got together, and they, they realized, we don't have any time to spend in prayer. We don't have any time to spend in God's Word. And so that's when they said, you know, we're going to set aside deacons uh, to help with the business of the church so we can focus our attention to to praying and to the word of god and the administering of the word of god and so when we set aside a minister when we ordain a minister that's what we do phil i mean as as long as your you know your job description might be um, what we really set you aside to do is know the word as well as you possibly can and lead us in that word and, and I hope you feel the weight of that. I really do. Because there's no, there's no higher weight than to get into God's word and do your best to get it right. Um, and so, so that's that. Get to know God's word. That's my charge to you. Now, uh, I'm going to invite Phil up here. And 
we're going to pray over him. We're going to lay hands on him. And uh, I want to invite anybody else up. Um, um, Phil's family can come on, come, come on up, uh, any elders. If you've ever been ordained as a minister, if you've ever served as an elder or a deacon or anything like that, I want you to come up and join us as we uh, pray over Phil. Even if it hasn't been in this church, even if it's in another church, that's fine. Come on up and, uh, and join us as we, as we pray over him. All right. I'm going to ask Phil some questions here. So, Phil, do you accept the Bible as being the inspired and infallible Word of God? Absolutely. All right. Having requested ordination into the gospel ministry of, of Living Hope Church, will you preach and uphold the doctrines and practices of our church as uh, laid out in our bylaws and, and then return to this council your ordination credentials at such time as you may find yourself out of harmony with such doctrine and practices? I will. Will you assume the responsibility to preach and teach God's word with all love and boldness to minister to the needs of those to whom you are sent with, without partiality and to give of yourself sacrificially and without reserve to the building of the body of Christ? Definitely. Will you endeavor to be diligent in the study of God's word, instant and faithful in prayer, an example of Christian piety and... And uh, Christian discipline before your people and the community in order that your life may be a worthy Christian example and that upon your ministry, the blessing of God may rest. I will. Recognizing the sacred responsibility of your call and aware of your own human weakness, will you seek to be directed and empowered by the Holy Spirit in order that you may be a faithful minister of him who has called you? Yes, I will. All right. All right. Well, we're going to ask Bill to take a knee down here and, uh, and then we'll... Uh, We'll pray on him. James is going to lead us in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Phil to us. Thank you for filling him with your spirit. I pray that Phil will do great things for your glory throughout the community and our church. Pray that you will just teach him what he should say and help him to know what to do. I thank you so much for him and I thank you for your grace and your mercy and your forgiveness. And most of all, I thank you for your the hope you give us all that someday that we'll be with you forever in eternity. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Definitely. I've fallen and I can't get up. Where's this little thing in our <laughs> All right. Um, well, I turned it off. I'm giving Phil the last word this morning. He's going to bring the word to us. So, everybody, welcome to the new pastor, uh, Phil Walker. Well, welcome to Dumb Things Smart Christians Say Number Five. Uh, pastor Jeff talking jokes about me and then giving me the microphone. That's yeah. Um, no. Seriously, I mean, one of the things that uh, was just, you know, that had been on my heart for a while as I was offered the position of being the discipleship pastor at Living Hope was, I sure hope when people see Pastor Jeff's wife walking around the church with that shirt on it says, I sleep with the pastor, they don't think anything about me. It's Jeff that she's sleeping with, okay? So um, just to get that clear and out of the way. No, um... I don't really have a sermon for you today. What I've got is more of a story about God taking me to school. Um, 
See, over the last roughly two years, it'll be two years ago next month, um, God started moving on me before that, but two years ago, he moved me out of my full-time job as a welding fabricator uh, with a company up in Lincoln, and really had been impressing on my heart for quite some time that he wanted me to do this thing, step out of the boat and walk on the water. Um, the apostle Peter, there's a story about Peter stepping out, on the, out of the boat and walking on the water towards Jesus in the Bible. And for a while, it didn't make any sense to me what he was asking me to do. Um, I wasn't clear on it, but the more and more I leaned into it, and then um, April of uh, two years ago, it'll be two years ago this coming April, um, God moved me out of that job. Um, the company was shutting down, and uh, I called my wife, and she knew what had been on my heart, and we knew that God was moving. She said, God's moving. I'm getting an echo or feedback up here. Are you guys hearing that out there? Oh, okay. Can we do something about that? Um, <laughs> But uh, God had been moving on my heart, and um, what he was calling me to do, it just was so crazy to me, was he wanted me to step away from full-time employment um, to be the full, from being the full-time financial, you know, primary financial provider for my family. Uh, my wife was working, but, you know, my income was the primary, and uh, he was calling me to lead my family into trusting him for all that stuff, and to step out on faith that he would take care of that, but to do what he wanted me to do, seek first the kingdom of God. And the challenge within that, and I wasn't quite sure what he was wanting me to do, but the challenge within all of that was uh, that I wasn't going to go find another full-time job or even a part-time job. I was going to trust if God brought along little side jobs here and there that I'd take those and and work through that. Um, But... Really, what he was doing was calling me. You know, Jeff shared. I I, I want to lay down a little bit of groundwork at the beginning of this thing. Um, I'm not saying this in a bragging way or look at me or whatever, but I I helped plant this church 15 years ago. Helped open the door, Angela and I. Um, and there are people here that were part of that original group of people that helped make this thing happen 15 years ago, a little over 15 years ago. And um, through that time, I've not been a person of weak faith. Um, I've always believed that God was really big um, and that God could do big things. But then all of a sudden I'm being challenged with God going, I want to be even bigger. I want to do bigger things. I want you to believe me as the God of the Bible, not as the God that fits into your life. Um, Not as the God that works from a place of comfort for you and your family. He was calling us to step out of the boat, to walk on the water, in spite of how deep the water was, in spite of how high the waves got, in spite of the wind blowing in our faces, so to speak. And what that looked like for me and the conversations I had with God, as I think a lot of us probably had at times, <laughs> were like, God, seriously? What you're asking me to do, if I'm right on this, is you're asking me to pull away and absolutely trust you with providing for my family, but you're calling me to be about the kingdom, to be about building into people's lives, to be about discipling people, to be about reaching out to meet the, the felt needs, the emotional needs, and the spiritual needs within the community that we live. And he was calling me to stretch him and trust him to take care of my family while I did that full time. And I'll be really honest with you, it scared the crap out of me. Because I've grown up in church 
for the majority of my life, there was a period of time where I really walked away and got stuck on stupid for quite a while. Um, but then I came back, and I had grown up in church, and I'd been around people who all my life have been good with, well, yeah, you know, we follow God, we live for God. Um, yeah, we seek first the kingdom, but really, you know, we, God's not going to call us to do anything beyond our comfort zone. Um, and we started fitting God into, and I was doing the same thing, fitting God into what was comfortable for my life into a place where it worked for me, where I could be who I wanted to be and be secure in my faith and be secure that I was going to go to heaven. But God, don't call me too far out. Don't ask me to do something radical. Don't ask me to do something crazy. But that was exactly what God was calling me to lead my family into. And we've got a house. We've got bills to pay. We've got a mortgage. You know, God, how's this all going to happen? And he said, trust me. And it just kept coming back to me time and time again. Give me a second to open this thing up because I want to read scripture from it. Um, that what God was really asking me to do, technology, it never works when you want it to. Um, you know, was to lean into him. I got to tell you through this whole thing, one of the hardest things for me, and I, I don't want to offend anybody or anything, um, but I just want to share was that as I shared what God was laying on my heart with other believers, really seeking, you know, some affirmation, because what, I mean, if I walked up to you and said, hey, I want you to leave your job behind, don't worry about anything, we'll make sure you're all taken care of, but you go out and you live full-time for God, you know, he would look at me and go, what? You know, um, I think we do that with God from time to time, or a lot of the time. You know, it's like, God, you can call me this far, but don't call me any farther because I just can't do that. And that's what he was calling me to. You know, he was really wanting me to do this, but in the midst of it, well-meaning Christians kept on telling me, yeah, you know, I hear what you're saying, um, you know, and I'll be praying for you with that. But I really think, you know, that maybe, you know, I know where you can find a job or find a part-time job or... You know, um, you need to be taking a job and supporting your family and, and then doing the stuff that God's asking you to do because the primary concern God has for you is to support your family. And yet in that, I kept hearing the, the primary concern I have for you is that you do my will first and trust me with everything else. And I'm like, God, where are you going with all this? What are you calling me to do? What is it that you're trying to change in my life or teach me or school me in? Because I, I felt like, God, I've had big faith. I've trusted you in big ways. I've really stuck myself out there. And every time I talked to somebody, and it felt like a discouraging word coming back from a brother or sister in Christ, that really God wouldn't be calling you to step outside your comfort zone. He's not going to have us do that. God kept writing this back into my heart and my mind. And I want to read to you from Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear, Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See the lilies of the field, how they grow? They do not labor or spin. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. 
If that is how God clothes the grass of the fields, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things, my paraphrase, all these things that we stress about, that we freak out about, that we say, well, God can't be calling me into this because of this. All those things that we're concerned about, us having to meet our own needs. He knows what we need, and he'll give them to us. He'll make sure that we have what we need. And I'll testify to you right here, right now, the last two years for my family, we have not been in need of anything. In fact, God has blessed us with some of the desires of our heart and things we didn't even know or expect. God has poured out upon us. And I'm not saying do this and it equals this, but we've got a God who wants to do amazing things for us, and he wants to lead us into places where we can only go under his power and under trusting him. And God will make sure you have what you need. And I tell you what, the hard spots have become beautiful in our lives. I'll get to more of that in a minute. But yeah, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow has enough worries of its own. Each day has enough worries of itself. You see, for years, I had trusted God in a big way, you know. Um, But it was in a way that worked for me, a way that found its security in what I did for a living. It was in a way that found its security in the fact that I get up every morning and I drive to work or when I was running my own business and those things, and then I was out trying to chase down more work. It was in a way that I was the one who was putting stuff on the table. Yeah, oh yeah, God's providing for us. God's providing for us. But I was making sure that I was the one that was out there working. What I don't want you to hear me say is that God's calling all of us to walk away from our job, okay? What I do want you to hear me saying is if God is challenging you to do that, and he says, I'll take care of you, be willing to go wherever he's wanting to take you. Because that's the kind of trust and the kind of faith that he wants from us. That's part of what I've been getting schooled in for the last two years. That's what my family's been learning for the last two years and the blessings that we've been running under. God has done so much in our lives in the past couple of years. And here's the thing. For those of you that know me and know my story, (laughs) you know what a train wreck I've been, okay? There was a lot of years ago. In fact, what was really interesting for me, and I'll just share this because first service, uh, I had less time this service. I do have more time um, because I'm just going to take like an hour uh, to go through this. But um, I want to read you guys something, and let me pull over to there. It'll tell you a little insight into my past. It was God's way of confirming to me that the path that I've been on, and I'm going to just tell you straight up, I'm going to cry. It was God's way of confirming to me that the path that I've been on is the path that he wanted me on. Last Sunday was February 26th, and that was the day that the membership voted on whether or not I would become a paid full-time staff pastor of Living Hope Church. I got home from church. I was talking to my wife, Angela, and I looked at my Facebook page, and you know how those memories from a year or two or three in the past pop up for you. And this was the memory that popped up. It was something that I had written three years before on February 26th. I woke up this morning a little after five, the same routine as any other morning. Sorry. As I sat on the couch, 
drinking my coffee with my wife, I told her I felt like I needed to stay home from work today. I wasn't sick or anything. It just felt like something was wrong, like I had things I needed to take care of. But I wasn't sure what those things were, so I left for work. Pardon me for this next part, but it's just the way I felt. As I drove into work, it hit me like somebody had just kicked me in the emotional balls. It was 28 years ago this morning that my dad died. And all of a sudden, it feels like I'm reliving that morning all over again. I was 20 years old and a meth addict the morning my dad died. The day before, he asked me if I wanted to spend that day with him. He just shot, stopped short of pleading with me. To this day, I wonder if he knew something was about to happen. I told him I couldn't. I had things to do. So I said goodbye and took off to go do what I normally did, spend the day getting high with my friends. That was the last time I ever got to talk to my dad. I was gone all that day and that night. Still out the next morning, I received a phone call. He was being taken to the hospital. That was it. He was gone. I'm a very different person now than I was then. My life has greatly changed for the better. Thank you, God. For 28 years, I stopped myself from asking the question, What would he have told me? What would he have said had I spent that day before he died with him? I didn't like to live in the what if, but today I couldn't hold that question back and it's killing me. I love you, Dad, and I miss you so much. The reason I share that story with you is because my dad before I ever knew what discipleship was, lived it out. He was the primary discipler in my life. My dad would always set aside what were his priorities to stop to talk to somebody who was in pain or somebody who God laid on his heart that was struggling. He always made time for others. He always thought of others more than himself. And I realized that that's what God was calling me to And I just thought it was so profound that last Sunday when I got voted in as full-time discipleship pastor at Living Hope Church was on the 31st anniversary of my dad passing away. And I just feel like it was God telling me, your dad sees you. He's proud of you. And I want to affirm you in that. My dad made such a difference in my life. And as I stand here before you today, I know he sees that. I know he sees that in me. But God works these things in our life, and he takes the mistakes of our past. I was a meth addict. I was a thief. I got convicted on two felony counts of second-degree burglary. I did time in state prison. I barely finished high school. I've never been to college. My credentials to stand here before you is time spent in the Word of God and with the Holy Spirit, asking him to reveal his theology and his plan for what he wants us to be as followers of Christ. See, we serve a God who's in the business of taking broken pieces 
and shattered pieces of our lives and those things that are scattered all over the ground like broken bits of glass across a beach. And he'll grab those things and he'll put them all together like he's done with this church. We've been averaging over 300 for the entire month of February. God's getting ready to do a mighty work here. God is pulling together a mighty army and he's taking the pieces of our lives that you think, I'm no good. I've been in prison or I've been abused or I've been this or I've been that. And those are all things that God, newsflash, is allowed to happen in our lives through things that have happened to us or choices that we've made. But we give those to God, and in the hands of that Redeemer, he takes all those broken pieces of glass, and he puts them together, and he makes a beautiful mosaic of glass that when his light, the light of the Holy Spirit, shines through that glass, we become something beautiful that people turn to, and we can share the love of Jesus Christ with them. See, Jesus came to this earth, and the first thing he did when he called together his disciples, started calling his disciples, he said this simple thing, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. You have that slide back there? I want you to see something in this slide up here. He says, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Matthew 4, 19. What he's seeking us to do is follow him. When we follow him, guess what? He's going to change us. He's going to bring about change in our lives if we allow him to change us. I would challenge you, if you're not allowing for change, I don't know that you've really ever committed your life to Christ. He changes us so that we can then be on the mission to do what? To share the good news that he brought, that he shared with the first apostles. That thing gets poured out on and on and on down the line for each and every one of us to tell others about the redemption that we have in Jesus Christ on the cross. See, where we're at, as Hannah Palchek so clearly put out and eloquently put out a couple weeks ago in the video after winter camp up here, we've got to get to that point where we finally lay it all down and let God become more than our Savior. He becomes our Lord and King and we start doing what he's called us to do. That's what it's about. The last two years of my life on full dependency on God for our income and for everything and to open doors, he has taken me places I would have never imagined I would have gone to, okay? He's taken me before the city council on multiple occasions. We had a huge human trafficking conference here that's still reaching out to more and more and more people. I'm a guy who barely graduated high school. But I was like, okay, God... What do you want from me? I will tell you that the most comfortable thing in my life right now is the fact that so much of the time what God's calling me to, and he wants each and every one of us to understand this, makes me feel like I am way in over my head. But guess what? That's exactly where God has to be in order to do the work. We've got to understand he's going to call us to things that we're way in over our head and that we know that we can only accomplish through his power, and then he gets all the glory. That's what he's calling this church to. He has given a stewardship of over 300 people coming here on an average, to this church so that we can go out and transform this community and so that we can then transform the world. God is calling us to step out of the boat and walk on the water and trust him in a way that he is the God that parts the water. He is the God that can hold us up. He is the same God that was yesterday, today, and forever, as his word tells us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would help us to be who you've called us to be, so that we can do what you and empower us and help us to trust you in a big way so that, Father, the things you challenge us with, the things that we get scared of, we know that we can step out because you've got us and you're not going to lead us someplace where you're not going first. And so, God, I pray that you would lead us to where you want us to go. Help us to step outside of our comfort zone. God, I pray that each and every person in here will learn to live way beyond their comfort zone because that's when the world will look at the church and say, God is great.
They'll see you in our lives. They'll see us trusting in big ways. They'll see us going through hard times with a peace that surpasses all understanding. They'll see us facing hard things head on because we know that we know that all things work together for good for them that know you and are called according to your purposes in Christ Jesus. Father God, help us to be bold. As it says in Joshua, be strong and courageous. I challenge you as a church to be strong and courageous, to trust God in big ways. Don't cower back with the things of this world or the fears of our life, but trust God to step out. In Jesus' name, amen. That's what God's called me to be as the discipleship pastor of Living Hope. And that's what I'm going to challenge each and every one of us to do because God has an amazing purpose for us. If you're not into going, hey, God, here I am, all of me, take me and do whatever you want, then this probably isn't the church for you. You know, I just, it's going to get, you know, pretty riled up and pretty worked up around here. You might want to look for another church, but I'm just saying, we're looking for a mighty army because God's looking for a mighty army that knows that we have the hope that people need. If you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, man, we'd love to talk to you about that. We'd love to share that with you. You know, we would love to have you get with myself or Jeff or one of the elders you saw up here and share with you what Jesus has done in our lives because it's amazing. It's exciting. But what's really, really cool is he hasn't just done it so that we can be okay and so that we can be all good and so that he's just our Savior, like I said, Hannah said. It's so that we can know that he's Lord and we can start living in the fullness of that and be all that he's called us to be. Thank you, guys. Pray for me as we lead in this. And just, yeah, get on board. It's going to be a fun ride. God's got great plans for 2017 and beyond.